listeners, and welcome to another episode of Fairfax Tasmania's State Politics Podcast. I'm Rob Inglis. Thanks for joining me. With State Parliament about to resume again after a two-week break, it seemed appropriate to share with you a chat I had with the new opposition leader, Rebecca White. Uh, On Tuesday, she'll enter the lower house chamber as Labor leader for the first time. I spoke with her about her upbringing and her values. Um, I also spoke to her about reports of division within the Labor caucus uh, and her alleged inexperience. So how are you adjusting to life as the opposition leader? Well, it's been a busy time since Friday, of course, uh, but this job's always been busy, so it's not an enormous adjustment in terms of that. Sorry, Pammy. Uh, in terms of the um, you know the numbers of meetings and uh, different people that you need to work with every day, mm. it's just an increase in the workload naturally. Yeah, same office. No, this is the the leader's office, so this uh, is a new office for me. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up on uh, your parents' farm in yeah. Nugent. How would you say that sort of your childhood shaped your sort of political consciousness? Okay. Uh, well, I guess the things that started to make me challenge the accepted norms were um, the sorts of things I saw in our community that didn't seem fair. Mm. So we always had a lot of conversations around the, you know, the kitchen table and the dining table about what was happening in our community and what was happening across the state. We weren't necessarily a political family, but we were engaged in current events and um, my parents liked to talk about what was happening. So those sorts of things shaped whether on you know shaped my thinking around key issues in our community. And then as I grew a bit older, um, I started to question why certain things happen certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and growing up in the country as well, I think the other quality that uh, a lot of country people have is um, hard work instilled in them from a very young age because everybody has to get involved with what's happening on the farm, so since I've, um, you know, since I can walk really, I've been put to work by my parents. <laughs> and you spent time in the, in the workforce as well? Yeah, so I, I, I went to the paid workforce when I was a college student, so I started at uh, Purity and Sorrel, working on the checkouts there, and then through uni, paid my way through those courses, and working in bars and hospitality and then um, did some temp work in different jobs like accounting and marketing mm. before picking up full-time work when I was in uh, my early 20s with Duncan Kerr, mm-hmm. uh, Federal Member for Denison at that time. But even then I still worked a second job because I had bought a block of land in my mid-20s and I needed to pay the mortgage so mm. I worked through the day and stacked shelves at Woolies of a night or I worked in a bar of an evening. So. Had a bit of different experience in the workforce. Yeah. When was when would you say the moment was that you sort of had a bit of a political awakening? Was there a moment? Look, I joined the Labor Party when John Howard was still the Prime Minister of Australia. So my, um, I guess the real catalyst for me joining the Labor Party was the Your Rights at Work campaign and the push that was made at that time particularly under Kevin Rudd, you probably remember the enormous um, grassroots campaign that was 
debated at that stage by the Labor movement and the Labor Party to change Australia's industrial relations laws to make sure that they were more fair for people. So uh, it was about that time that I joined the Labor Party as well. And the Labor Party was a party of choice for me because of the values the Labor Party has that really resonate with me, values of equality and particularly the social justice um, causes that the Labor Party really campaigns strongly on. And just a fair go and a decent opportunity for people. Those sorts of things matter to me a lot. And so you were elected in 2010 um, and you sort of, I suppose, knocked off David Llewellyn, in a sense, and your campaign was sort of centred around getting rid of the old guard. Is that fair to say? Uh, a lot of people think they think that's what it is, but it wasn't. It was about renewal mm. for the Labor Party, but also for the electorate of Lyons. Uh, and I stood as a candidate coming from the southern, is it the southeastern portion of the electorate, when all of the sitting members had been from the north, so I thought it was about time we had fair representation across the electorate. So I was talking about renewal in that sense as well, in terms of representation for the community. Mm. Um, but of course it was about um, you know, recognising that the Labor Party needs to maintain um, its um, vibrancy and being a dynamic organisation, we need to have generational change too. Mm. I think that still continues to be a really important matter, not just for this political party, but for all political parties. Is it a matter of striking a balance between bringing in new blood and sort of paying respect to the old guard? I think it's a matter of striking a balance between um, enthusiasm and experience. Mm. And I think we've got, um, you know, we're in a good space at the moment, the Labor Party, because we've got some people who've been in politics a long time and have got a huge amount of experience and some fresh faces who are really enthusiastic and really keen to get involved and make a difference. Mm. But then complementing all of that, uh, the diverse uh, different backgrounds that people have, because I think it, it's also really important if you're going to have a party truly represent the community you need to have all sorts of different people in there from all different walks of life because then you have a much deeper and better understanding of the different communities and their issues. So you, do you think Labor really needed that generational shift to happen um, with Brian Green standing aside and, and you sort of taking on the leadership mantle? Was it something that, that was inevitable and, and really needed to happen now? Uh, look, I don't know if I'd describe it that way. The decision that Brian took to retire from politics was entirely his own. Mm. And he would have had my support to campaign up until the election, there's no doubt about that. Um, Brian's always been incredibly loyal to the Labor Party and incredibly loyal to um, the members of the Labor movement. And in return, he was showing great loyalty as well. Mm. And if he had a um, decided that he was in it to stay and he was campaigning to win government for Labor, we would have backed him 100%. Mm. So his decision to retire was absolutely his own. He obviously decided to do that uh, last week and the caucus elected me as the leader, which is an enormous privilege. Mm. Uh, it's a big job and I feel incredibly humbled to have this role. Um, there's, of course, the next, I think, step for us in terms of renewal of the Labor Party is the pre-selection of our candidates, which happens on May the 8th. Hmm. They open on May the 8th. And, you know, I've already publicly put the call out for people to put their hand up if they're interested in standing for us and for them to come from 
all different walks of life because, as I've spoken of earlier, we want people who've got different experiences um, but also um, different connections with the party. It doesn't have to be the same people who've put their hand up previously. We would welcome them, but we welcome new people too. I think mm. that's also important. Because it's, I mean, it's a bit like how you came up through the ranks, I suppose. You were, you were, you were Young Labor, was that, you were the leader of Young Labor? I was a vice president within Young Labor. Okay. And I had, yeah, which is a great opportunity for people getting involved in politics mm. at a young age because there is a youth wing to the Labor Party and it does give people an opportunity to test their ideas and have those debates and get involved with the policy making and see whether or not they want to pursue a career in politics or whether they want to be an activist in politics and support the cause. Mm. And membership numbers are down for the Young Labor and young li the Young Liberals? Is that... Oh, I can check on that, but my um, last conversations uh, indicated that the membership for the Labor Party youth wing was increasing. Mm, okay. and we've actually got quite a strong representation of youth from right across the state. Mm. And if you're interested, Rob, we could probably get Labor House to give you some details yeah. there if you like. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. Um, you, you've said that uh, Brian Green and Lara Giddings have sort of been mentor figures for you. Yeah. Are there leadership sort of qualities of theirs that you would like to adopt yourself or, or intend to adopt? Um, they've both got different styles of leadership mm. and I think that um, having been a member of the caucus under both of them and also David Bartlett because he was the Premier when I first came into mm, politics in 2010, they've all got very different styles of leadership and I think I have you know, been fortunate to be able to work under each of them and see how they engage with their caucus and different stakeholders outside of the party. Mm. Um, thinking about all of that, you know, the type of leader that I'd like to be is one that's inclusive, um, that I'm honest with the people around me, that they can trust me, um, that we can build a sense of loyalty across not just the caucus but the entire party. Uh, and I want to surround myself with people who really believe in the Labor cause and who really want to work really hard because my expectations are that people are here um, to do the right thing for Tasmania mm -hmm. and I expect them to work with that in mind at all times. I work hard and I expect the same from those people around me. So the government is saying that Labor is divided um which they say is in contrast to them being a united front. What, what would you say to that? I don't know how they could say we are divided. We've been united the whole way through this term. It's the government that's lost ministers along the way. It's the government that's come under fire for the way their ministers have handled their, handled their portfolios. It's the government that looks like they've got a lot of infighting occurring because they know they're going to lose seats at the next election. So. You can see them already jostling for position because already on that side of the parliament, those members are going to uh, lose seats and they won't be returned. So if anyone's having trouble with unity, I think it's the Liberal Party at the moment. Labor's only going to win seats. Uh, so the stuff with David O'Byrne then, um, I mean, is that, is that indicative of division at all? No. Or you wouldn't say so? No, not at all. I mean, of course, um, there's... David's been a member of the parliament previously and I think you know he's obviously looking to see whether or not there's an opportunity to return to the parliament. I'd welcome that. 
you know, I hope he puts his hand up for pre-selection come May the 8th because we want smart people who are committed to the Labor cause to do exactly that. Um, of course it's unhelpful when people back around the media around different internal matters or their own um, issues that they may have at that time. Mm -hmm. And I would hope and encourage you know, the party to work together because we're much better when we are all working in the same direction. But it's not an indication at all that the Parliamentary Labor Party has any level of disunity because that's not the case. We've been all very loyal to one another and we've worked really hard to support each other. So you're not concerned that if David O'Byrne was to come back into the Parliament that there would be elements of the party that would look on him as a sort of plan B if your leadership was not to be successful? No. No. I, I, I have a good friendship with David. We've worked together previously when we were in government together. Um, I would be very happy to have him around the table with us because he'd be an excellent contributor for the Labor Party and really help to communicate our message to the Tasmanian people. Um, in terms of the extra seats you'd hope to pick up yep. in the election, where do, where do you anticipate picking those up? Well, I think already we can see opportunities to win seats in Franklin and in Braddon and in Bass. Mm -hmm. And uh, we make sure we pre-select good candidates who are well connected to their community, who are smart and can drive an agenda for Labor. I think there are three seats there for us um, immediately, mm -hmm. but I think... Um, we can potentially pick up many more than that, enough to win government. And, of course, that means every electorate. We do need to win seats in every electorate. Is it your hope that um, there will be a greater support for Labor from Lions now that you're the leader of the party? Of course, that's my hope. Mm. But, um, time will tell whether that transpires. Uh, I feel very uh, supported by my electorate and very grateful that they've you know, reached out since I've taken the leadership and... I've been very encouraging, but I'm not going to take that for granted. Mm. We still have a lot of work to do. So you have, uh, imagined several sort of action plans in place depending on when the election is called. Mm. What, what is your sort of plan for developing a bit of a profile as a leader in the lead-up to the election? Uh, well, of course, we're doing a lot of media interviews at the moment because I do understand that people want to understand who I am, where I come from, what my values are, what drives me. Um, I have been in Parliament for seven years, but of course, as a member for Lions, uh, I don't touch on all areas of the state. So we'll be getting out and talking to people face to face. We'll be travelling to all different parts of the state and meeting with different organisations and community groups and councils and getting out there, providing an opportunity for people to, to hear what we've got to say and so we can listen to them as well. So Michael Ferguson has said that you're inexperienced. How does that, how does that make you feel when, when those accusations are levelled at you? Look, I've got a much thicker skin than that. Uh, those sorts of comments from the government uh, are not unexpected, to be honest, because, of course, they're going to play, play the personality politics. That's their style. They can level personal attacks at me if they like, but I hope that people can judge me on my merits and I'm not going to buy into that type of um, politics. I don't think people like it. I think people prefer people have debates about, or politicians have debates about ideas and um, contrasting us and them in a personal way it really doesn't go down very well. I think people would be tired of that style of politics. What do you, so over the last seven years in Parliament, what are you most proud of? 
Is there something that you're an achievement of yours that you're most proud of or of the parties? Yeah, there are, there are lots of things. Um, in my time as a, a member of the government when we were in that period, there were a number of different projects that have made a huge difference to the electorate of Lions. One of the key ones was the irrigation programs, which have seen the rollout of that infrastructure across lots of regional parts of Tasmania, and that will transform agriculture in this state. It already is. And it will also transform those communities. And in the southeastern part of Lyons, the Southeastern Irrigation Scheme, um, will make enormous difference to the, the people employed in that region, the training opportunities, the type of produce we can grow and export. It contributes to the, um, the brand that Tasmania has in their marketplace. The integrity of the product that we are to produce is world class. So those sort of um, infrastructure projects that create a public benefit are, I think, things Labor can be incredibly proud of. The investment we made in renewable energy is another area that's um, something I think we have um, more work to do in and that's an area that the Labor Party will be looking to build on. Um, we've also got a proud history of investing in public services such as public health and public education <laughs> and public housing which is another area where a lot of people are struggling at the moment because they aren't able to access affordable accommodation. These are the sorts of things we we've done well and that I am proud of and that we'll continue to build on. Would you say those things that you've just mentioned would be sort of platforms for the election? Is there, what are the sort of key issues that, yep. that Labor wants to sort of campaign on? The key issues are um, things like, well, the key issues are health and education, investment in public infrastructure that can leverage private investment and also create jobs. So. Are these things that only Labor can offer and that the current government can't? Well, Labor's got a proud history. It's part of who we are, the investment in public services such as health and education. So I think Labor's got a proven track record there, both at a state level and at a federal level. When you consider things like the National Disability Insurance Scheme, Medicare um, and Ogonski funding for schools, all of those things have been driven by Labor and they're um, the sorts of things that the Labor, Labor State Government will continue to support and build on. And when it comes to investment in public infrastructure, I do think Labor does that better. And we've got a proud history of things such as, you know, the hydro schemes right through to the irrigation projects. And now we're talking about the next tranche of... Um, uh, 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 so I can't think of the word. Next tranche of, you know, really important projects like Macquarie Point. Hmm. Uh, you know, developments out in Berriedale for Mona Stage 2, developments in Launceston around improving and fixing the sewerage problem there, which will enable opportunities for private um, developers to really progress the plans that they have for Launceston. Labor's the only one talking about Launceston's sewerage problem at the moment and the only one that's talking about fixing it. Because despite what uh, the Treasurer might say around his plan to take over of Taswater, doing that, even if you can get that legislation through the parliament, won't fix Launceston's sewage problem. And I think people should be um, thinking about what that means then, because the government haven't got a strategy for addressing that at all. Only Labor's talking about it. Mm. Um, you've said that it's a majority or bust, essentially, at the next election. Uh, Cassie O'Connor said that that's sort of a disrespectful 
that's disrespectful to voters. What would you? What would your response to that be? Well, we need to give people in the community a the really clear point that if they give their vote to Labor, it's a vote for Labor, mm. because we have learnt from what happened um, under the previous government, where we saw people raise their concerns and their frustrations about a power sharing deal. So learning from that. The commitment that I give people is that if they vote Labor, their vote stays with Labor. We won't be entering into any power sharing arrangement and our goal is to achieve majority government. Is that because you feel like the last time you were in a power sharing arrangement that it didn't, it wasn't popular with the public? Well, it clearly wasn't popular with the public because we lost the election. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Brenton Best be remiss of me not to mention him. Um, you've said that Shane Broad is, you're, you're endorsing Shane Broad as oh, the yeah. candidate in Braddon. Um, hypothetically, if Brenton Best was to nominate and was to be elected, how would you sort of deal with that, him being, you know, independent Labor, so-called? Mm. Is that something that's hard for you to, is it something that can damage the Labor brand, for lack of a better word, having someone saying they're independent Labor? Look, I don't think so. I think people see that for what it is. I mean, my personal view is you're in the Labor Party or you're not. Mm. I don't know what an independent Labor person representing the community really stands for, and you know, that's up to Brenton. And it's also up to uh, the Electoral Commission in determining the recount, because we're talking about hypotheticals here. Mm. Um, if Brenton comes back, yeah, of course we'll work with him. And we'll, we'll do what's possible to progress um, our agenda in the parliament. But he won't be sitting in the Labor, Labor caucus. Um, he will be sitting on the cross, cross benches alongside the Greens. So Brenton's going to have to deal with that if he finds himself in the parliament. I've endorsed Shane Broad. And I hope that he's successful in the recount because he builds on um, the renewal of the Labor Party um, that's been started now for a number of years. You know, he stood with me in 2010 as a candidate that time too and was unsuccessful, sadly. But I think he'd be an excellent member for Braddon. I think he's going to, you know, he will be a really excellent member in our caucus. He's a smart guy. He will make a huge contribution. So I, I do hope he joins us in the parliament. What will he contribute specifically? What are his qualities and mm. attributes? Well, he's uh, very well connected in the Brandon electorate. He's uh, from a family that's, um, you know, he's grew up in that community. So I think that's important and that's important for me in thinking about all of our different candidates is the connection they have to community and how they can then bring those uh, voices into our caucus so they influence the decisions that we make so that we truly do reflect the entire community. He's a smart guy, uh, he's obviously a lecturer at the university at the moment, but as an agriculture scientist and as a, a consultant in that sphere in um, you know, his past career, he's obviously got good connections with the farming community and the agriculture sector, and um, those industries are really important for Tasmania. So I think those skills and the expertise he brings there will be really important for us shaping policy in the agribusiness space particularly and thinking about how we can continue to build on our reputation as a producer of good food and fibre. So for prospective Labor members that you're sort of calling on to, to join the party, 
what would be your message to them in terms of like why is now such a good time to join the Labor movement? Because we're building momentum. The Labor Party will win seats at the next election and I think we've got a real shot at winning majority government. But we also know that this government has taken people for granted. They've been incredibly arrogant about the way they've um, handled themselves since they've come to power. They haven't fulfilled the promises they made Tasmanians when they won the election in 2014. And I think people are looking for something different. So I'm calling on those people to join the Labor cause. And if they're interested in representing their community, to even put their hand up and stand as a candidate for us. But um, speaking to the general Tasmanian public, I think um, they have an opportunity now to get behind Labor, to work with us, because we are listening to them. We want to make way, you know, find ways that we can make Tasmania a better place to live, to provide security of employment for people, not just now, but opportunities for kids into the future, um, to make sure the services are there, that people expect you know, that they can uh, see a doctor at the emergency department rather when they need to. You know, the extraordinary weights that people have at the moment to access healthcare is simply unacceptable that people can access a good quality school, that people can um, rely on public transport if they need to, but also that businesses can have confidence that the government of the day is going to support uh, economic development in this state and will invest in the infrastructure that needs to be improved to enable that economic development to occur. Quiet, thank you very much. Thank you.